Renewable fuel is nothing new. More than two decades of innovation in renewables power every drop of Neste Mine, the first of its kind to be top-tier certified, reducing GHG emissions with a fuel made from 100% renewable raw materials. So if you're ready for a way forward, we'll lead the way. Run on Neste My Renewable Diesel. Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. We missed a week last week because of the F3 conference in Chattanooga. If you didn't attend, you missed a good one. And you don't have to wait another year. Our Future of the Supply Chain Conference is in Atlanta in June. Come see us then. Since we last met, there's been a lot of drilling for oil, and you need to drill for oil to get it, and you need crude oil to make diesel. We talk about that sort of thing here, and that's why we call the podcast Drilling Deep. Our guest of the week this week is Robin Gregg of RoadSync. Her company is involved in one of the most competitive parts of the supply chain, paying people. Payments need to flow rapidly and efficiently in a supply chain, and her company, RoadSync, looks to make that happen. She'll be with us shortly. I remember back in April and May when the oil market got hit with a double whammy. First, the OPEC Plus group announced a wide-ranging cut in supplies. Most of that cut came from Russia and Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, of course, is a member, the, the, the biggest member of OPEC. Russia isn't in OPEC, but it is the key member of a group of non-OPEC producers that came together with OPEC to kind of form the uh, loosely defined OPEC plus group, and their goal was to cut supplies. Then about a month later, the Saudis said they were going to do a million barrel per day cut on their own. This all looked grim from the perspective of buyers. That million barrel a day cut was going to come on top of what they were going to reduce uh, as part of their deal with OPEC+. Plus. I don't want to crush you with numbers, but all the models pointed to the balance between supply and demand being highly unfavorable to anybody who was using oil. As the price of crude moved up during the summer and into September, all in reaction to this, bolstered by those cuts taking hold, there was a growing consensus that getting to $100 crude, as measured by the global benchmark Brent, was all but inevitable. Brent settled on September 27th at 96.55 per barrel, and we figured it was just a matter of time. And since then, it's been trending down steadily. Last week, Brent on one day settled below $80 per barrel. That's $20 more than where conventional wisdom, excuse me, that's $20 less, of course, than conventional wisdom said the market was going. It's bounced back from there. Uh, with prices earlier this week bouncing off $82, uh, but that's only that's still about $18 less than where it was supposed to be going. What happened? Oil, more and more of it, came on the market and thwarted a lot of OPEC's plans. Add with that concerns about demand from various corners of the world, and $100 bread just seems like a pipe dream now. Let's look at some data from S&P Global Commodities Insight, which includes the legacy Platts business where I spent almost 30 years. I'll try to round those figures that you see on the chart there so they are not too overwhelming. Look at March. That's the last month before the, before the cuts started to go into effect. 42.37 million barrels a day of production. That's the uh, S&P Global estimate of what the non-OPEC group was producing. 
Look at how those cuts took hold. As they took hold, production dropped about 2 million barrels per day down to 40.4 million barrels per day a few months later. Now see what it's done since. It's added back about 600,000 barrels per day. And no, we're not at the levels before we were when the cuts took place. But those numbers, these numbers that you're looking at, have been bolstered by rising output in countries like Iran, where output is up about 400,000 barrels per day from April. And let's not forget the U.S., where production of crude is up about a million barrels a day since April. Just amazing. Brazil's output in the third quarter was up more than 10% from the second quarter, which amounted to about 250,000 barrels per day. And in the growing oil powerhouse of Guyana, where current production of about 400,000 barrels a day is expected to double by 2025, they just tacked on another 200,000 barrels per day plus uh, as a result of a new project coming online. Put it all together and you've got enough downward pressure on prices that the Saudi dream of 100 barrels per day, but 100, the $100 oil, though they never actually said that, but that just looks like a fantasy now. So what have they done? They blame speculators. Whenever the price is weak, uh, going against what they wanted, they always blame speculators. But the speculators are looking at some real facts. They are looking at the rising output numbers, demand numbers that are flat at best, and concluding there is no reasonable path at present to a $100 barrel. It's been a nice run for our diesel consumers as a result of that because the spread between diesel and crude has been narrowing as well. We've talked about that before. So we won't get into more specifics for now. That's enough numbers for this week. This message comes from Neste My Renewable Diesel, approved by leading manufacturers and the first fuel of its kind to be top-tier certified, made from 100% renewable raw materials. Make the switch by visiting nestemy.com. Time to move on here now on Drilling Deep. We have talked here on the show before about payments. Payments is an issue that I know is really so important to this industry. People want to get paid quicker, ties up capital, uh, wastes a lot of resources. It's also highly competitive. And also, I kind of find it confusing, too, at times. So uh, we had back here Robin Gregg. Uh, she has been with us before. She is the CEO and a co-founder of RoadSync, uh, which is a payments company. And I'm going to let her talk about what RoadSync does. Robin, welcome back. And tell us about RoadSync. Thanks for having me again, John. I really appreciate it. It's always fun. Um, so RoadSync's in the business of digitizing and automating trucking-related payments. Um, the thing that we've been most well-known for is the fact that we help the service providers that support the trucking ecosystem to be able to real-time invoice and accept payments for their services to truckers. So people who tend to use us are folks like heavy truck repair shops, towing, maintenance, um, we are also in use at warehouses for things like late fees and unloading fees. And our platform is almost like a point of sale system, kind of like Square, but in real time invoices and takes payments like fuel cards, fleet checks, and then traditional payments like credit cards, debit cards, and, and stuff that people would use in the consumer world. Um, so, so that's one of the things we do, but we also get, uh, we do payments in the, uh, broker space as well. And we just launched a product earlier this year that really helps brokers automate their payments to carriers and provide kind of faster payment rails to, to those folks. Yeah. So since we, we, we had you on Drilling Deep once before, and since that time you did, I think, I don't think we talked about this at the time, you had announced and we wrote about on FreightWaves.com 
uh, a, a deal with a maintenance shop. So it seems to me like you, you you've kind of had a niche here uh, in like not trying to pay drivers, but then you just mentioned an expansion into paying brokers. So uh, how's the field of play for you? Yeah. So how we got into it is because we were um, so focused on helping, um, you know, basically helping people take payments from truckers that we got a lot of feedback from folks that employed drivers, both brokers and larger carriers, about providing access to our network of merchants to be able to automate payments or help facilitate payments for things like lumper fees, uh, truck repairs, all the weird ad hoc things that a trucker might face have to call their dispatch and get some sort of payment issued to them. So we got started and we built a product that helped people automate those and have workflow so you don't have to call into dispatch. Um, and there could be rules around when a driver could request a payment and it could be sent to his uh, cell phone. Um, and then when we really talked to people about their payments problems, that was just one of them. And that really wasn't the largest payment problem they had. A lot of folks talked about payment challenges, uh, just operational challenges in getting funds to uh, owner operators and smaller carriers for you know final billing and for settlement of the loads that, they, that were being delivered on their behalf because they're always working with new carriers and owner operators. Um, those folks, some of them are getting paid with paper checks. Sometimes they're being quick paid with a fleet check over the phone. Sometimes they're getting paid via ACH. Sometimes they're getting paid via a factorer and all of that complexity means that folks are doing a bunch of different things to manage payments outbound. And it's just hard, it's labor intensive and it requires a lot of back office support. You know, I hear from the, let's say the media representatives of payment companies all the time. Would you like to talk to so-and-so uh, about their new payments tool? And at a certain point, I sort of wonder, like, how much more space is there for this, for these new companies? How much more is there room to grow? And you're telling me people are still getting paid by paper check. So I mm -hmm. think that tells that that says that the opportunity, no matter how many people pile into it, the opportunity is nowhere near sated. That's right. I 100% think so. And then, you know, on our platform, we actually basically take over all of the brokers payments. And so we'll even help do uh, paper checks if that's still how people want to get paid. And, you know, to our surprise, we still see about 15 to 20 percent of payments being run on, on paper checks just because it's really hard to figure out how to get ACH credentials from the person they're trying to pay or it's a one off or some drivers and owner operators just like to get paid that way. Um, so I think that, you know, there is still a lot of paper being used. That's just one sort of application. Um, and, you know, it's a massive industry with lots of money moving around and a lot of it is just clunky. And it's not just paper that's clunky. I mean, sometimes even the ACH processes are clunky. Back office operations are clunky about how they're, they're managing and kind of managing workflow. So it's, it's, you know, a lot of opportunity to your point. Give me an, uh, give me this, an estimate on the size of the market. If you had to sit down, if I, if I told you to go into a room with a piece of paper and a pen, okay, maybe I'll let you do it on a computer and start typing in all your competitors. How many names would be on there? Um, well, so we're a little bit different. I think a lot of folks are, um, if, I, if I look at sort of logistics fintech, which is kind of a, you know, a, a fun new-ish category, I think most of the players are really focused primarily on updating and making more current two financial products that have always been in use in the transportation market. So those are factoring and fuel carts. And so a lot of the players are focused on creating next gen 
uh, more user-friendly, more automated, either factoring solutions or uh, fuel card solutions. And so if you look at most of the, the pay players in the, the payment space, I think almost all of them uh, fall into one of those two categories. And there's probably at least five, you know, three to five in each, uh, three to five next-gen factoring, three to five kind of prominent next-gen fuel card players. Um, and that's really kind of what uh, most of the payments ecosystem and logistics is looking like in terms of new technology investment. Um, that's not been our approach. I mean, we, we are more payment rails. So kind of think, you know, Stripe or, you know, providing payment solutions into other people's platforms. So I think our take is quite different. Um, but, you know, there is a lot, to your point, a lot of activity around payments in, in transportation. And I think a lot of them, like I said, are, are in those two categories. Now, would a broker be dealing with multiple payment companies? You mentioned you've been signing up brokers and, um, would they would a, would a broker have you and somebody else to do some other parts of the payment stream and maybe a third company or do you just come, go in and when you when you sign up with them do you tend to do the whole thing well so when we work with a broker we're really doing all of their outbound payments to carriers so they might still have you know a fuel card program that they want to utilize we don't compete with that necessarily um, and if that's how they want to offer their their carriers discounts um, that's not something we're replacing because we're not offering fuel cards. Um, we're not factoring. So they might have factoring solutions already plugged in. Um, we see with our brokers that we work with today, at least half of the payments are going to existing factoring companies. And we think that's fine. Uh, we're really actually helping the broker kind of move money everywhere it needs to go and reduce their kind of back office burden. So if it's going to having to go to a factoring company, they don't have to, uh, you know, manage that the way they were used, they used to. That's fine by us. We're not trying to replace those solutions. I mentioned earlier that we had written a story about your deal with a maintenance chain. Uh, why don't you talk about that and what, what made it so unique? Yeah, so it is an example of us kind of being like Stripe for logistics-related payments. So our partnership was with a company called Full Bay, which is a well-known heavy truck um, repair shop management tool. Um, you know, they've really gotten to be the one of the denominant pro providers for if you're a heavy diesel shop. And we provided and power their fleet payments. So it is difficult to integrate and accept the major trucking cards and trucking uh, fleet checks. And that was a solution we were able to offer right within their platform. And we're working on other deals. Uh, we haven't announced them yet. Um, there's one that we have live with a similar uh, folk, person that uh, handles repair shop um, sort of uh, payment acceptance. And we're helping power fleet payments. Um, we also power payments for a, a fleet maintenance network. Um, and we're talking to other folks about like TMS providers, about integrating our payments on the, the roads and pay side. Um, so we really think that that's a great long-term strategy is to basically make sure that payments are living where people are working every day. And so that's usually not a standalone payments interface. It's probably their TMS in the, uh, the case of brokers, or it might be something like full bay in the case of a heavy duty repair shop. So let's talk, let's talk about full bay then. So my, my, my understanding, cause I wrote the story at the time, I believe was that, was that what you did was you kind of put together a funnel. Uh, and this is this way that full bay could get paid by a variety of sources. Um, and it would kind of funnel through road sync and they'd get paid. Is that a is that an overly simplistic view, uh, um, description? No, it's it's a little bit more like um, you know all the the repair shops that use Full Bay to manage their their shop can uh, actually access 
Roadstink payment rails to be able to accept EFS, COM data, T-Check, Fleet One, um, all the major fuel, uh, fuel card and fleet check uh, brands. And so that just lives within the, their day-to-day interface and how they manage uh, invoicing through Full Bay. So, so, so Full Bay is not necessarily, they, they don't own the shop. Somebody else owns the shop, but Full Bay manages Correct. a lot of their operations, a lot of their financial operations. Uh, Full Bay is just a software platform that's managing it. So think of it like, um, you know, basically like a, it's, this is, I don't want, they do more than this, but it's basically like a QuickBooks for heavy duty shops specifically that will re- kind of manage the business functions that they have to, to use. Which, which is kind of what I was driving at. Okay. So then, yep. then you provide the payment services into that. So, correct. Yep. Uh, so what's, what's, what's the, the ground like out there? Where, what kind of places are you hunting these days? Obviously, you're not going to reveal any names. Uh, but yep. uh, where, where are some, some opportunities out there that maybe haven't been? I know you've talked about the general opportunities of people still getting paid a very old-fashioned way. Um, yep. But wh- how, how about some specifics on where you see some fertile territory? Yeah, I mean, on, on, for payment acceptance in terms of what we were doing originally, we're still very focused on the heavy truck repair and towing space. Um, it is massive space. Uh, you know, there's like 60 to 80,000 heavy duty truck repair shops across the United States. Um, and I will assure you, we do not have 60 to 80,000. So we feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, we also are very focused on getting more brokers access to our road sync pay product. So we're in active conversations with folks that uh, basically have software tools that they're supplying to brokers. Um, anything that would be payment adjacent is really interesting to us as a, a, a opportunity. Um, but we also have been directly enrolling brokers at brokers that are probably, you know, 50 to 200 million in, um, in revenue or is sort of uh, where we're focused. So let's kind of go back to an earlier point. I want to reiterate this. So this logistics is your focus. So are you finding that when you compete against sort of bigger payment companies, companies that do payments in a lot of fields, that they just sometimes fall down on not understanding this business? A hundred percent. So I think there's a lot of things that are really hard when you're trying to serve payments in this industry. One, they don't know how to underwrite, right? So they don't know how to validate that, you know, this is a, a valid merchant or a valid person to accept payments from. Um, they are not equipped to handle dispute resolution. Um, we have a lot of dispute resolutions that we have to we have to basically make sure we manage for our customers. Um, it is very transactional industry. It can kind of be a cash poor industry. And so that means sometimes when a vehicle's repaired, uh, people are going to complain about the repair or they'll say it was fraud or you know a lot of things that kind of make uh, that be an additional burden on these businesses. And so we have to make sure that we have tools to manage that. And that's something that's purpose-built as well. Um, and then uh, the major payment platforms just can't handle fuel cards and fleet checks. And so having solutions that have those as an option, I think is something that's really important for our customers. So when you say fuel cards, you're talking about where people, somebody would use your platform to pay onto a fuel card? Yes. Yeah. So we are one of the few mobile platforms that take uh, WEX and COM data's uh, closed loop fuel cards, OTR fuel cards. So we accept EFS, T-Check, Fleet One, um, also the Comdata brand card. And um, you, you really can't use those readily outside of uh, truck stops or places that have directly integrated with Comdata and EFS. And so that's something that we can a- provide access to smaller merchants too, because like, 
you know, you're not going to be able to directly integrate with EFS or com data if you're a small repair shop. It's just, it's just probably not going to happen. Yeah, it seems like the term fuel card is maybe overly simplistic. I mean, it, it, as, I, as I've come to learn, they are incredibly versatile tools. Maybe they started out as a way to pay for fuel, but they've just become so much more. They really become the, I don't know, they're not, they're not currency, but certainly like the channel of choice. And they're very versatile. You can do lots of things with them. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. And I, I always... Um, I think it's great that trucking is one of the few businesses that has its own kind of payment card solution. Uh, you know, you don't see that. There's no such thing as a landscaper specific card. Um, but OTR fuel cards do lots of special things. Uh, they allow drivers to get cash off the card at a truck stop. Um, it could facilitate uh, a payroll in some instances. Um, it facilitates really complex discounts at all the major truck stops plus the independents. Um, so these cards do a lot of pretty uh, magical things that I think are really unique to the industry. Um, and you're right, they do a lot more than just pay for fuel. Um, historically, one of the things they didn't do relatively easily was be used for things like maintenance or warehouse-related fees. And so that's one of the things that we've helped both EFS and, and ComData get access to by broadening their network. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the reasons why the partnership's been uh, been productive for both of us. Let's talk about higher interest rates and what that has done to the payments business. You know, there's a term, a haircut. A haircut is essentially really like a fee uh, that would get paid somebody like you. Uh, has higher, have higher interest rates led to uh, higher haircuts as well? Um, I mean, I will say we are much more careful about payment terms. Um, so, you know, given that we're in payment acceptance, we're usually comparable to, you know, what your payment terms would be on a square. So, you know, either net two or, you know, maybe net three, net four, no more than that. Um, we are very sensitive to making sure that we are not floating customers. Um, and that's probably a function of the interest rate market, right? Like capital is more expensive. Um, we want to be very careful. Um, I also think that it's the high interest rates has created more payment opportunity. I think people want greater control over their payment timing. Um, they want to pay for things the last possible second. They want to get their money as soon as possible. And so it has created greater interest, I think, in fast pay products, faster payment rails. It's, you know, it's costly to some folks to use um, slow ACH or even some in some cases cutting slow checks because, you know, the funds are going to be stuck in transit longer than you would like for either of those applications. So I think it does create a lot of interest in some faster payment uh, solutions because, you know, it, your own cash that you can get faster is, is the cheapest form of cash capital. What's the state of speed these days? A, a drive, I, I, it sounds to me like drivers are not really a big area for you, or maybe they are. I'm, again, I I'm, I'm sometimes have trouble putting together all the various pieces, but how, how much faster are they getting paid today than they were, I don't know, three, four, five years ago on average? Uh, yeah. Um, I think that, that I don't know that that's necessarily changed. I mean, I do think that quick pay and sort of, you know, speeding up payments and the use of factoring is as prevalent now as it ever has been. It might have increased a little bit with sort of where the market is, because I think folks are cash poor. But I think on the other hand, you might have fewer brokers being able to offer it. Um, so I think what's different is, is today there are better solutions for faster payments. Um, it used to be that the only way to get a driver or the best way to get a driver or owner operator a funds the same day would be a fleet check code over the phone. 
Um, and today there's a lot more solutions. You can real time pay somebody. You can do same day ACH. You can push funds to an existing MasterCard or, uh, or Visa card, debit card. Um, so I think that the availability of newer payment rails, I think is going to be, is going to accelerate payments slightly for, for people. Right. And, and let's, let's just make, uh, I want to make sure I make the point here about where you're, you're sitting in the ecosystem. A factoring company then would use you as a channel or a conduit to pay people who need to get paid faster through factoring. Correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, you know, we, we have had conversations with factoring folks as well. Um, we're not looking to replace it. We're just looking to provide them with more optionality and better control and more cost effective ways to, to issue payments. And, you know, we think that, uh, payer choice and payment choice is, is a value add, right? And it makes you uh, a better, uh, you know, a better partner to work with. So a factoring company would not just use you, for example, they're, they're likely to use multiple payment services because they want to meet the drivers where they are. I mean, you would be great if they use just you, but do you find yourself that you're just one, one, let's say, you know, big factoring company X, we won't give them a name. Uh, they, they will probably use multiple payment channels. They, they, uh, they probably would. They could use us because we support a lot of different payment types, um, and including, uh, issuing fleet checks and including, uh, pushing onto existing Visa, uh, cards and MasterCards, including ACH. So we do provide a lot of different options. Uh, and so we, we could support everybody's needs and still provide them with the ability to kind of, um, integrate or utilize other different, other payment forms. But, you know, I do think you find in, in practicality that, that people are using a little bit of everything. So last question, really speaking of fleets, um, how much are they shrinking? You're in a pretty good position to see, let's say, some customers disappear because uh, we know that there's been excess capacity in the market. Uh, we know that it needs to retreat to get the market back to some sort of uh, state of equilibrium. Uh, how much how many customers are you seeing head for the exits? Yeah, I mean, so still today, most of our customers are on the merchant side. So we're really working with the repair shops, the towing shops, and the, um, you know, warehouses or lumpers that are trying to take payments. And so that's where the bulk of our business is. Um, we are seeing uh, repair volume shrink a little bit. Um, and I think that's a phenomena of what, you know, is it sort of a, a symptom of what you're describing, which is, you know, if your business isn't performing well, or if you are doing fewer loads, or if you are exiting the market, you're going to see less repairs in the industry, um, and or you're going to put it off. And so we are seeing that. We also are seeing higher dispute rates, which we also think are a function of businesses in distress. So we aren't actually losing a lot of customers, our merchant customers specifically, uh, because of what's going on in the freight market. But we certainly are seeing the impacts in terms of its, uh, its impact on their businesses, if that makes sense. We want to thank Robin Gregg. She is a founder and the CEO of RoadSync. They are a payments company, though it sounds to me like that's an overly simplistic description, but we'll use it for now. So anyway, Robin, thanks for coming in here on Drilling Deep. Thanks, John. You have been watching Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freight Cash family of podcasts from Freight Waves. You can find us on all the leading podcast platforms. If you've been watching us, that means you're watching on YouTube. We're there. We're everywhere else. I've been your host, John Kingston, and please join us again. This message comes from Neste My Renewable Diesel, a drop-in replacement for fossil fuel that has the power to keep your fleet running at top performance while lowering greenhouse gas emissions compared to fossil diesel. Visit nestemai.com to learn more.